Enterprise Intelligence is a weekly video series that talks to industry experts, global thought leaders, and seasoned knowledge workers about how they're tackling their information challenges, embracing new technologies, and moving the needle on performance. Hosted by Shiny Docs founder and CEO, Jason Cassidy. You mentioned search before. I'm a big believer in that kind of mentality to air quotes, unify systems through metadata. I'm absolutely enamored of the intelligent use of metadata to get systems to interoperate because if you can do it right and you have systems that share even only one field among them, you can do some sort of a universal search and apply the, the right permissions and all, all that stuff so that it behaves as if you've got one big box of data, even though you don't. And to me, that's one of the quickest routes to achieving some kind of real value across the board. I, Otherwise, I like it's like you said before, you got to go to this system for that, and this system for the other thing. And it just, it. oh, sorry. Can I ramble for another minute? No, I, I like it. Keep going. And it's, I, I will say in the sense that like, we didn't preordain this. It's we're just having a nice organic conversation. But you did That's describe true. a lot of what we achieve, what we try to achieve with our Shiny Lock solution is that search is meaningless without that metadata in that context. You can't just do keyword search and expect to have a good experience. That's not how you buy that refrigerator at Best Buy. You go in there and you do the facets. You look at the attributes, you look at the metadata and yep. it gives you, here's the three fridges that you have to choose from rather than just looking for the word refrigerator. And then here's 3000 of them for you to choose from. It's a big difference when you yeah, do it. It's, it's critical. And, and you have to do it almost with, with bifocals because you need a near-term one and you need a long-term one. So steps two and three, I think, of our five-step instant recipe, it's not instant, boils down to you have to take stock of your current state. Where are you now? And you have to draw the picture of your future state. What do you want it to look like? And, and then it's a matter of saying, okay, now how do we get from here to there? And I'm not ignoring the technology to that point because that's part of the current state. What do we have and what do we think we're going to need as we get to future state, that's when you can start drilling into that. Say, okay, if we want this functionality, because it's going to save us that much time and boost the efficiencies and blah, 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 we're going to need a tool that does X. But then you've defined the tool and you can start the vendor parade, or you can investigate systems you have on site already or in the cloud under the roof, let's say, and see if they can perform these functions, because maybe they already can. So you have to do this looking near and far at the same time. And that just adds another layer. Let's hate the consultant. Some of the questions can be really tough. And some of the answers can be really telling. And there have been times where I've talked to people on the front lines and I said, listen, unless you want me to, I, I'm going to keep your name out of it because I'm collecting information from a lot of different places, people struggling the way you're struggling, and I'm going to present them sort of the aggregate picture. But if you want a meeting, I can probably set it up. And so far, I think. Mm, zero people have taken me up on that. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a very small number anyway, because a lot of times it's the politics that get in the way, the, the turf wars. Let's assume that I'm a CEO of some organization that we're insurance company, or maybe we're a utility or something like that. We make money, we're established. And I like this. I'm five years away from retirement. It's mm. in, 
and all these things. Now all of a sudden people are saying that we need to comply with privacy laws and people are being hacked and new employees coming on complaining that they can't find anything and nobody's trained them on where it is in the file share and you know, whatever. All I want is for, to just have the business that I've had for the last 25 years and the same profit and these types of things. And it is a reasonable request, but at the same time, the world is changing and there's always increased competition. The idea of just staying the same and then maintaining your income and all that kind of stuff shouldn't exist. So there's this element of privilege of ownership it's, it, as you go into retirement. How do we help those companies that are resistant to actually solving a problem that they know they have, but they just don't want to do it right now? And unfortunately, you got half the staff, like the innovation staff, and you got the staff that are feeling the pain of the audits that they're failing or these other things. And they're saying to the rest of the business and the board, you got to fund this to stay competitive. Yeah. You got to fund this in order to attract better staff. You got to fund this to give the best customer experience and competitive. Please do it. And they're saying, we'll see how long you can hold off. It's, what, are, what are good techniques to try to rope in the board and the ownership and the CEOs perhaps that might be on their way out? How do, how do we get them on side in the meantime? This is a joke, of course, but hack them. <laughs> okay. There it is. Un, yeah, so un -joke. You're, you're putting on your black hat there for a second. Yes. Well, the thing <laughs> is, and, and a lot of times they don't even know that the response is the employees are happy, even if they're not, even if they're frustrated because the people in the corner offices can be somewhat isolated. And a lot of the pushback I get from the front end, uh, by the way, is what do they know about how I do my job? And I tell them, this is your opportunity. I'm your agent in court or the jester or something. You got the audience, no matter how you got it, you got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Nothing will capture an organization's attention faster, though, than something bad happening. So that's why I was making the joke, hack them. If they get hacked and they go, oh man, that was bad. Or there's a breach of some other variety. Information gets out that shouldn't have. Yeah, it, 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 or they get sued or they're in violation of some major compliance something. I remember it's years ago, but not that many going to different trade shows. And here's the same basic technologies on opposite sides of the corridor in the exhibit area. And this company's chasing law enforcement here, use this to put people in jail. And this company's um, targeting regulated companies saying, here, use this to stay out of jail. Mm -hmm. It's didn't an say that race. on a sign, but that it's, was... It's a total arms race, exactly. Yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, and it's a very hard sell, admittedly, but in that sense, doing information right is it's like an insurance policy. You, everything is fine. You don't need it until you need it. And then you meet it. Yeah. The, well, the good you, news you know what I mean? The industry is helping <laughs> us along, though, with like colonial pipelines and other weird things that are happening. It's obviously, it's, we don't need to hack it. There's other people who are helping us out. Yeah, I know. that light on it right now. But another expression that we use back in the days when I was helping to start a group called the Information Coalition, it's since been merged into ARMA a couple of years now. But we used to talk about, and I still do, everything is information. And there's a slide that, that I have that if I'd thought about it, I'd show now, but I'd have to find it. <laughs> but it's the construction yard. I, I had an industrial contractor client and I went out into the yard and I took a picture with all the vehicles and the pipes and spools of cable. They built things like oil platforms and you know heavy duty. And I realized each one of those is a host 
represents a host of information because the pipe has a part number and it probably has a part number from the place they sourced it or they built it and made it in their own machine shop. So there was a work order and there's a materials list and there's the invoices because they had to buy those materials. And what about the weld and who the inspector was and it was his credentials or her credentials up to date. And you realize the fact that there's a, a flatbed trailer with huge spools of cable on it it's that's almost irrelevant the physical asset is almost irrelevant to what we're talking about which is all the information that's embedded and associated with those physical assets it becomes a really big deal and then you say to somebody what happens if your systems get hacked what happens if there's a hurricane maybe it's not somebody doing something evil but it's just we're getting weird tornadoes even here in massachusetts we never used to have stuff happens what are you going to do if it knocks out your server? Are you backing the stuff up somewhere off-site? And another client of mine that was based near Miami said, oh, no, we have that covered. I said, well, where is the backup? In Tampa. They get hurricanes, too. So, Steve, we, we had talked about the different strata, different layers. So there's some organizations out there who have nothing, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some who have nothing. There's some who have something, and then there's some who have programs that they've actually tried to do for information and have failed. From your experience going into a lot of different organizations, how many are in different these different layers? And do they know where they stand? Do they know that they're immature? Do they know that they're somewhat mature? Or do they know that they are very mature, but they know they need work to do? How do they tell if they don't know? <laughs> how, how do you know that you don't know something? Yeah. And how do you know what it is you don't know? Truth of the matter is, I don't feel like I'm in a position where I can really answer the question of how many kind of fall in each, because the fact that I'm on scene means there's a certain awareness already by whoever it is I'm talking to. A lot of times it's because something bad did happen or almost happened. Another client, my client discovered that one of the senior executives was frustrated accessing their email when they were away from the office. So they took their entire PST file where the Outlook emails are, and they put it into box. And of well, course, the security, my client found that out. She was like, what now? <laughs> so there's, there are workarounds and things where they don't really know and, until you start investigating. Mm-hmm. But part of my client's charter was, please go investigate. Well, they found a piece of equipment on eBay. It was a utility. And it shouldn't have been there. They have a process for selling equipment that they take offline. And that wasn't followed. So in a lot of cases, I think it's a matter of staying in front of people and pointing out symptoms. I'm grateful to be here today, for instance, because I'm hoping people will see this and and maybe it starts some of the wheels spinning. Think of it this way. Let's say you're a tennis player, which I am not. But yeah, you have tennis elbow. My, My elbow always hurts. It's not debilitating. I can still function fine. It just, it's a little, it just aches all the time. And you don't think about it. And you don't go to the doctor because... My arm hurts. But if you're there for your physical and the doctor says, I notice you're a little ginger, something going on with your arm. Then you say, oh yeah, I have this. So I think part of it is that we're organizations are so used to living with a certain amount of informational pain that it's background noise. Mm -hmm. And until something bad happens, like your arm falls off (laughs) or you just wake up one day and you can't even reach for your wallet. They just live with it. But if something happens or almost does, like the finding the email in the cloud, because then at least they could, nothing bad had happened, so they could snatch it back. 
it gets people to thinking. What if that had happened? What, what do we, how do we keep that from happening? Huh? And then you're on the path. I, I love that metaphor. I've never really thought about that before. Like the, it's, it, we do live with information pain all the time. How often do people go, oh, I hate that whatever SharePoint search, or I hate the fact that you're forcing me to go over to this other web system instead of me just sharing it on my file share. I hate the fact that you're making me do this. And then people end up working around it. It's that classic where mm -hmm. you show the, here's the sidewalk that's paved, and then you got the path that's cutting the corner. And this is the user experience. Right. This is right. how they're actually doing it. But the path was the design and people will always find a way around it. And I feel like that's kind of part and parcel with this is that either people are just going to live with the pain and then still do the task, or they're going to just find their own way of doing it. And next thing you know, all of your email is in some cloud system that was unauthorized and yeah. you might be in trouble. That makes sense. You bring up a really important point though. The people side of this when I first started consulting, and that's a good long time ago, I was six feet tall in those days. I didn't. I knew the people part was important, but I tended to focus on the IG planning and all that stuff, the program, and then deal with the people part. And over the years, they became equal in importance as I began really to appreciate how much of the success of a program is people-based. You go into enough meetings and this is true, where all the IT people are on this side of the table and the line of business people are on this side of the table and they're all sitting like this. And I show up, I said to one group, said, I'm coming tomorrow with a striped shirt and a whistle because you guys clearly need a referee. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are lots of techniques to utilize even as you're doing, quote unquote, the IG work. It's all IG work. Sure. But the behavioral change, the cultural change, it's you've got to deal with it. And a lot of it is essentially marketing. The line I often use with the people at the front line at the front line is they're asked me to be here because they know something's up. And I'm working really hard to make sure you understand that this isn't being done to you. This is being done for you, whether or not you believe it. Whatever your prior experiences have been, Jerry Maguire, let, help me help you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and make them feel part of the process from the get-go. Sometimes they just don't believe it and you have to find a department or a group or an application, you know, the, prefer, the proverbial low-hanging fruit where you can fix something significantly in a short period of time that you can then show people. This is what we're talking about. I'm glad you mentioned it because that's, it's vital. Nothing will kill a program faster than people refusing to play along. I like that, Steve. And, and nowhere in there was the, we're going to force them to do it because it's the right thing, or they're going to get, we're, they're going to buy in because we're going to tell their department head that they have to buy in. It is, we've evolved beyond that. And I feel like the idea of, of doing it for somebody and with them is the only way to prove it because this is not a commodity yet. And I think if I go back to that unfair group that we identified at the start, who's not doing it, and you suggest that it's unfair because by the time you get in there, they're already thinking about it. The only time that that, un that group is going to start getting it is when it's commoditized, when it's obvious what you need to do and obvious the benefit to everybody, then boom, next thing you know, you'll install the Steve Weissman server and 
you got information governance across your system <laughs> and the AI takes over and that sounds awesome and I can't wait until we have that. But in the meantime, yeah, we do need to provide a lot of value for the people and give them something that not only are they willing to use, but they identify the benefits. And I think that's what you're leading to there. I am. At the same time, I'm not sure that this can actually be commoditized, at least not to that degree. I know and appreciate and agree with the point that you're making, mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be such a heavy lift forever. But in point of fact, each organization is different enough from others that I don't know that IG in a box is really a thing. There are certain steps, to the five steps things you asked me about at the beginning was just my way to, to, to try to encapsulate some of the basics that I've, I've learned over the years. But there are these commonalities, but the details really differ. How big is your place? How many departments do you have? How many locations do you have? What volume of information do you have? And what media do they span? Because I'm not talking about paper records. I'm talking about electronic records. I'm talking about USB sticks with images and music or... So really there's a typical consultant answer, I know, but it really does depend. So I, I think you can commoditize the thinking to a point, but in terms of actually doing the work, even when you buy an insurance policy, they give you a template, but there's lots of options. How much like auto insurance, there's nothing magic about it, but how much personal liability coverage do you want? Do you want us to cover the rental car in case your car is in the shop? Well, there are still things to think about. Yeah, we, it's in your own performance and, and your child, are they going to be driving it? And do you have a history of accidents and other things? Like it's, these are all factors that make one size not fit all. I always joke about it. One size fits all, just some better than others. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At 60% of the time, it works 100% of the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that was awesome, Steve. I appreciate you taking the time today. How, how do people find you? I'm one of the most reachable people in the world. So my email is steve at hollygroup.com. I'm on Twitter, cleverly at Steve Weissman. I'm on LinkedIn, under Steve Weissman. You'd think that was my name or something. People like to do it the old fashioned way by phone, 617-383-4655. It's funny, hardly anybody calls anymore, <laughs> which yeah. is fine. You're going to get a ton of texts though over the next little while. <laughs> I hope so. I'm also not a guy who runs the meter every time somebody pings me. If people have questions or thoughts, shoot, shoot me an email or find me on LinkedIn. Or it's, I learned from that too. And if it turns out to be something that requires time, then we talk about it. But I love these conversations and, and I thank you very much for having me. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and I hope you didn't mind or the, the viewers don't mind my droning on and on. I just get excited. Uh, it's my pleasure, <laughs> Steve, and I, I found it helpful. So thanks a lot and be, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Likewise. Thanks very much. Thanks.